The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey, Typology Tribe, Ian Morgan Cron, the man who feels privileged to do this podcast every week with my good friend, Anthony Skinner. I'm privileged to ride shotgun, Ian. My producer, my engineer, my pal. <laughs> Welcome back to the Typology Studio, and let's talk about who we got on today. Yes. All right, man, I'm excited because our friend John Collins of the Bible Project is returning, and yet this time, now John's a five, he's right. returning with his wife, Tristan, who is a two. Okay? Oh, cool. Right? We had John and his partner on another time. Yes, and they were fantastic. Fantastic. Right? Yep. Super popular episode, tons of downloads. Yeah. They have just written a new book. Check this out. It's okay. called Why Emotions Matter. Ooh, from now, a five. From a five and a two. Oh, I cannot wait. That's I mean, awesome. There's a story behind this book, right? Wow. I cannot wait to ask him what the story is. Oh, that's exciting. For a five and a two to write a book together called Why Emotions Matter. <laughs> She's had an influence on him. She's had, but uh, clearly, <laughs> yeah. and vice versa. I yeah. can't wait yes. to hear about it. So, let's not waste our time. Let's get to it. John and Tristan, welcome to Typology. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. All right, I'm going to jump right in here uh, because I'm burning to, to ask this question. When I got the your new book, Why Emotions Matter, which dropped on 923 and that I am going to tell everyone they must buy, um, and knowing, John, that you're a five, Tristan, you're a two, I thought to myself, there is a story behind this book. For a five and a two to write a book about why emotions matter, I'm like, oh, man, we got to find out what the story is. So over to you. Yes, the story. We are very different in the emotional categories. So I don't know how we fell in love in spite of that, but we did in our early 20s. Mm -hmm. And uh, but we very quickly learned that we approach emotions completely differently. Mm. So I, as an Enneagram 5, distrust emotions and think they are, uh, they actually are liability mm -hmm. in my life. Yeah, and then as two, I love emotions. I love express, expressing emotions, emotions passionately, and I didn't understand why John seemed like he felt really uncomfortable with my passion or anger, and yes, yeah, usually wanted to shut it down. Mm. Yes, so that became a common theme of tension in our relationship. Many arguments can be summed up to me telling Tristan to stop emoting and <laughs> Tristan to emote in a way that was uncomfortable for me. And I, I, one thing that really helped me understand that was that um, 
I just would find it unkind when Tristan was emotional because my mode of existence is emotions are not good. And so it's the kind thing to do to not show them. Mm. And, uh, but Tristan is the kind thing to do is to show your emotions because mm -hmm. that creates intimacy and relationships and it's, it's the real me and it's vulnerable. And, um, and so, uh, we've had to learn how to, to come towards the middle. And so this book was a really a big research project for me and for you, it was an opportunity to reflect on all the things that you have learned as a counselor. Mm -hmm. And it was just really helping us work through like what, how do we come to the middle yeah. in the emotions? Well, I think the book really started after the Bible project started. I thought that sounds really fun to have John just synthesize a bunch of information and I felt a little bit jealous of Tim that he got to have John just, you know, he'd talk to John and John would take everything that Tim would say and then make it more succinct. And I thought that would be a really fun project. And John, yeah, I think you even thought that that would be really fun. So mm -hmm. yeah, started off that way. Okay. So let's go a little bit deeper on that. Um, yeah. Uh, the sort of the next layer of the story underneath the writing of the book. There must have been, in my mind, some moment of crisis or difficulty that you hit that launched you into a much deeper conversation about this uh, yeah. difference. Oh, yeah. So can, can, would you be willing to share uh, about yeah. that? Yeah, so we, we started thinking about writing this book about five years ago, and at that time, there was so much chaos in our lives. There, I think we just were like inching out of it. Yeah, we were just kind of coming towards the end of coming through the tunnel <laughs> of a lot of different things. One was um, me having some business relationships um, change dramatically, and that was really painful. Um, uh, another one was we, well, we just had our second kid and just mm -hmm. having kids is, is mm -hmm. difficult. Our second yeah. kid was in, was in the ICU for a little bit and that was, that was hard. We dealt with infertility and then we had our kids Yeah. and then yeah, business chaos and then family relationships kind of blew up. I'll let John tell that part. Yeah. My parents who are amazing people, just their marriage just, ex just imploded, um, out of the blue and that was that just rattled both of us especially me and my mom came to live with us um my dad was just kind of in this just this wreckage of uh his kind of inner world was just in disarray and he always modeled to me uh a true stoicism a, like he is super reliable and dependable he's, he, he's a six mm-hmm yeah, uh, very, very kind and generous. And it's just one of those people that you can just depend on. And, and for me, as a five, um, I already distrust emotions. My dad modeled that to me. And then I also come from a spiritual tradition that really kind of devalues emotions. Mm -hmm. So all those things kind of made me think like, this is a really good way to live, like live in my head, try to just understand things, detach from emotions. This way I won't get distracted by heuristics and things that people tend to uh, fall into. And, 
But then when this, when my dad just came to the end of himself, it really rattled me because mm. I'm like, this, this is my model of, of where I'm heading. Why is he in such disarray? Like, why, why is this? Why is he making such foolish decisions? And and why is this happening? He's a police officer, and he's also an elder in their church. So he had a lot of influence, I think, too. Yeah. 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 So I began to just go, you know, I, I'm missing something about emotions. And Tristan had been telling me my whole marriage, our whole marriage, you've been, you're missing something about emotions. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, there's something here. I remember uh, at one point early in our marriage, you like put this chart up on my office wall and it was just like all the different types of emotions you could feel. And it was like a graph. And it, it was a, a color palette. Yeah, it was all these different colors. Oh, the feelings. And I remember just looking at it and just thinking to myself, like, I don't understand that at all. I look like, it's like when you look at the cockpit of a plane, you know, have you ever like gone to a plane <laughs> in, and you're just like, I don't know how any of that works. <laughs> That's, That's how I felt staring at that thing. So this, was, this book was to take the plunge. Like, let's really figure this out. Um, well, you did therapy. I was doing therapy. We did therapy. I was working, you know, with uh, Tristan mentioned Tim, my colleague at the Bible Project, and he's um, he's a five as well. But uh, he really has this deep appreciation for what I've come to think of as embodied spirituality. Um, and I remember telling him. Uh, you know, Tim, I'm having this revelation that I'm not just a mind in a bag of flesh. I'm not just a brain on a stick. Like, I have a body. And Tim said, no, John, you are a body. Hmm. And that, to me, is something I'm still wrestling through. What does it mean to be that God created us as embodied creatures? And so with that paradigm, going back to Scripture, trying to mine Tristan for what she has learned through the years. It's just been this endeavor of, of trying to put it all together. Mm. Yeah, and we also you know, lived with John's parents as they went to support groups, went to counseling. Yeah. We did our own marriage counseling. I mean, we just, we all went through a real big process. And mm. we lived lived with them through the whole thing, so. Yeah, they, they kind of reconciled in our house, and so things can get emotional when... <laughs> when you're doing that kind of stuff. <laughs> and and was it, a, did you, John, did you move or have to navigate a season of uh, grief and um, disappointment, disillusionment? I'm just trying to come up as a four. I can go <laughs> forever on this. Um, but yeah, did you, and, and joy, I mean, how, how did you, navigate my gosh you're living with a highly emotionally charged experience how did how did you how did you mm. do, how'd you do well you know i have a lifetime of experience checking out <laughs> emotionally and so it's such a defense such a built-in defense mechanism that there could be so much chaos around me and i can just go into my head and i still have that ability and um and so i i Still to this day, probably lean on that too much. Um, but uh, yes, there was a lot of grief. There was a lot of. I think at first it was re it was it wasn't grief at first. At first it was frustration and kind of disillusionment of like, what? Why is this happening? Like, like what? Why is my dad making these decisions? It just doesn't make any sense. And 
why why were these things happening in my business and and I really wanted to fix it through like rational means um, and um, and instead just letting myself kind of sit in that disappointment um, it, that's a new skill and that's something Tristan's really taught me through things that she's learned is you know sadness we talk about all these different emotions and how they, they signal important information for us and, and sadness is a signal that something needs to heal and and for things to heal you need you need time you need to sit in that grief um, sadness actually psychologists have found um, that when you when you're experiencing that emotion of sadness you actually get kind of sharper mm. you you have clear memories you get less biased these are all things of five loves yeah. right <laughs> Um, you, you slow down, your brain kind of reallocates energy to your, to your thought process because something needs to heal. And so sadness lets you kind of slow down and let that thing heal. And for me, what needed to heal, um, was actually just a mode of being in the world that was, was not quite healthy enough. Mm. Um, I think there's some great things about being a five, but, um, but man, uh, not not understanding that I am a body and not appreciating my emotions really just keeps me away from so much of life that's important. Mm. That's wonderful. Thank you. I, I, that was really rich. And Tristan, I have a question for you. We're uh, the poor guy is surrounded by two therapists right now, and so this could this, <laughs> we're not going to gang up on them. Though my brain, mm. I have thoughts going off like popcorn. Anyway. Um, so at the very beginning uh, of the conversation, uh, I, I can't remember if it was you, it may have been who said, I'm not sure, no, it was you, John, I'm not sure how it is that we fell in love. You know what I mean? Like being <laughs> being that we're so different. And I'm just curious, yeah. well, what do you think? What uh, You as a therapist, as a woman in this relationship, why do you think you fell in love? I, I think we had that unconscious chemistry that we both just unconsciously knew that we, the way we dealt with feelings, even though it was completely opposite, um, it was probably on the same level of awareness. So we both just instinctually dealt with our feelings in the way that we were raised. But neither one of us had, you know, a level of consciousness to say, oh, well, maybe this, maybe this doesn't work. Um, but but we were drawn to yeah we were person. you know like a moth to a flame there's a lot of passion and I think yeah. I, I really like Harville Hendricks the um, getting the love you want and he just says you know you t end up you unconsciously find that person to replay those same scenarios that you had growing up and I feel like we we found that <laughs> and yeah. and it's been really healing I feel like this book the the process we've been through. Um, has pushed us to have to work through those things and to create change in ourselves and hmm. and hopefully in the legacy of our family. <laughs> also, you're really pretty and you smell really good. And <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. I think sometimes uh, I've had a, uh, I've met a number of five two couples before, and 
I remember one saying to me, well, you know, we got married young at 21 and uh, she, she, who, she was the two. And, and uh, she said, I think I was outsourcing critical thinking and he was outsourcing feelings. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you know, in other yeah. words, like, let me rely yeah. on the other to, to take care of my deficit. I love to outsource my feelings to Tristan. And I didn't realize I did this. I don't remember. It was some counselor of ours that pointed it out. Yeah. That when I'm angry, what I'll do is I'll pretend I'm not angry, first of all. Um, I'll even convince myself that I'm not angry. And then I will get Tristan to be angry for me. Like, I'll know how to poke her buttons and get her to get angry because I want that ang- I guess I want the anger out, yeah. but I don't want to own it. So I let her be angry on my behalf. And when that was pointed out to me, man, what a revelation. Like, yes. <laughs> yes. It was, it was very helpful for me to realize I can't get caught in the crazy cycle. Um, and so, Cause it would, yeah, that would create some crazy. Yeah. Mm. Tristan, you guys talk about in the book, this whole idea that um, it's, you, you really can't live an, an abundant life unless you have a healthy relationship with emotions. Is that fair to say? Right. Yeah, so, so, so starting with you, like what, I mean, here you are, you're in the feeling or heart triad or sometimes, sometimes called the shame triad, but mm-hmm. what in your mind is a healthy relationship with emotions? Um, what I see a healthy relationship would be is that emotions is information and that emotions aren't right or wrong. It's more about what do you do with that information? And then that that information can either enhance your life or you can use that information to enable yourself um, and go down destructive paths. But I really feel like what we hope people get from this book is that emotions are, you know, a way that we're created to use that information to live wisely and um, abundant life. Because ultimately, it's really hard to figure out what you like if you don't have emotions. Mm. And if you want to have, you know, figure out what you want to do in your career or who to love, you really have to tap into your emotions to get there. Mm. What do you think, John? By the way, I love that you framed that out, that emotions are information. Yeah. Because the, language. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You just, you just yes. spoke his love language. Yeah. And, and yeah. actually, I think, John, if this is any help for you, uh, that um, emotions are actually a way of thinking. Yes. Yeah. Yep. The, the, they are. Yeah. You know, um, you think with your body, not just your brain, Daniel mm-hmm. Kenneman uh, said in his kind of really seminal book, Thinking Fast and Slow, um, how irrational thinking is this really uh, what he calls slow thinking. You can churn on ideas. You can just you can rationalize things, logically deduce things, but really only like a couple ideas at a time, right? Mm-hmm. Your body is fast thinking. It's taking in all this information, all your five senses, and it's quickly like it's running some sort of algorithm under the surface, just quickly deciphering what it means, and then it's sending that to you through. Uh, well, we get it through feelings, emotions, what we call it. It's this we sense it, and. Um, and that information is just dense and packed, and and, and in it is a lot of wisdom. Mm-hmm. And um, and just like our rational brain is sometimes wrong, oftentimes wrong. Sometimes our bodies are wrong too. But 
uh, it doesn't mean we dismiss it. It means we, we pay attention to it. Uh, emotional health is paying attention to your bo- the signals of your body, reminding mm. um, them for wisdom. Have you guys sort of spoken about the whole idea that what the struggle might be for each of the Enneagram types with emotion, like what they have to, what <laughs> oh, they have yeah. to learn. Oh, really? <laughs> you probably well, I've thought about it, yeah. but not, not necessarily with John, but I've definitely thought about that for Can, sure. All right. Sh- please share. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would think that you've thought about this more than me, but what emotion each number would struggle with the most? Is that what you're thinking? Which emotion or just emotion in general? Just emotions in general, like like how they navigate emotions or which, yeah, whichever. Mm. Like what have you thought about for each type as it relates to healthy, healthy emotions? Uh, well, one of the things I've been thinking about lately is I've been thinking about how sevens seem so opposite to me. Hmm. Uh, from a two. From a two, yes. And that I was thinking about how with sevens, it's they're kind of foreign to me because they really love positive emotions. And as a two, sometimes it's hard for me to really let myself feel those positive emotions, pursue those positive emotions. And so I feel like the seven, to, to be able to live in a life where you just do what you want to do and look for the beauty, um, I feel like they've really um, nailed the positive feelings. But what's difficult is I feel like it's hard for me to trust them if they can't handle the negative feelings. Mm. And that's common for a seven, right? That you, they stay away from negative feelings. Yeah, that, that tends to be. That was a surprise to me. I feel like seven, in my mind, a seven is someone who just loves experiences. So, of course, they love feelings. But I guess sevens. Positive, positive feelings. Positive feelings. But I guess sevens, like, like our friend, um, Miriam, she, she was just saying recently as a seven that it's hard for her to... Um, know what she's feeling and um, and I was surprised to hear that from a seven yeah and that I think on the Enneagram they're the least access they're the least access to oh right yeah she said all yeah none of her her uh, where she goes to in strength or weakness has access to the heart triad mm. is that correct anyways that's no that is true because when sevens are in a good space they go uh to the high side of five and when they're not in a great space they go to the low side of one Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah, they bypass two three and four altogether you know so i think that um what we can say about sevens in a general sense is that they really have uh, a, a very narrow limited range of emotions that they experience regularly um, mm. so you know the you know the the meter kind of goes to you know uh, the halfway point but not they don't experience the full range uh, of emotions because mm. the moment it passes into more negative ones they have all kinds of defense stratagems you know psychological defense stratagems that they can tap into to make sure that they don't go too far into them uh mm-hmm. and and so yeah that's that's a that's a challenge for seven uh, it's not a challenge for four four can four yes. actually has such a wide you know voc- emotional vocabulary that they get lost in it you know it's yeah. just it's it's they're flooded with them uh and, yes. and until they learn how to to yeah. put a governor uh, on <laughs> uh, and develop critical thinking. I mean, that's what they need to do. Um, mm-hmm. How do I not yeah, just live feelings? Are uniquely positioned to help us appreciate the nuances of emotions. Um, 
when a when a four is able to really artistically explain not even explain but like give new uh words to a range of emotions or images and images music. yeah um help you appreciate that that experience in a new way it's really beautiful mm. yeah i actually recently was with a four who had a friend of mine who had just written a poem in which it, it was titled paracore and and paracore is that um fragrance you smell after a rainstorm mm. now who knew there was a word for that right mm. yeah right yeah well, yeah i love that and so he was trying to write about the feeling the very unique feeling that you get when the fragrance of paracor after a rainstorm hits you yeah mm. i mean who comes up with that you That's know what cool. i mean uh, yes. Well, this woman, Lisa Barrett, the, she wrote How Emotions Are Made. She talked about emotionally intelligent people are very, um, what was the word she used? That the more detailed you can be about your emotions. Yeah, more granular. Granular, yes. Yeah, we. I mean, in our book, we talk about these really basic emotions, anger, fear, sadness. But you could drill into any of those and get more and more granular, a certain type of anger. And, and even more of a specific type of that type of anger. And at some point, there's there's actual experiences that we have as humans that don't have vocabulary yet. And it's super fun to hear what, like these made-up words that people have. We use hangry, which has now become <laughs> pretty, pretty yes. common. Um, it's a type of anger that comes from being hungry. Yeah, right. And don't, when you don't have a word for it, you don't have a category for that emotional state. Um, and so actually emotionally healthy people, um, are really good at being more granular in how they describe their emotions. And I think fours, man, fours that do that well are a gift from God. Mm, yeah. Well, <laughs> they can be, <laughs> you know, uh, the future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Uh, so, um, all right, so let's talk about these three emotions, uh, that I just want to hit three emotions because they really address the lives of all these types, right? So let's talk about fear because it relates to five, sixes, and sevens. Yes. Let's talk about anger because of eight, nines, and ones. And then let's, mm -hmm. let's zero in on shame maybe as it relates to twos, threes, and fours. Now let's start with fear. Um, and uh, what is it you tell us in uh, Why Emotions Matter about fear? So this, the signal we say that it communicates is that you might be in danger. Mm -hmm. Emphasis on might, mm -hmm. because um, being in, um, or learning about trauma, trauma and how people respond to trauma, uh, one of the effects of post-traumatic stress disorder is that your body is predicting danger um, faster than you realize, and that's what creates the experience of a lot of symptoms of PTSD. Um, and so 
Anxiety also is like an overprediction of threats. Um, but in general, you know, you want your body to respond to danger or potential danger faster than than you can consciously realize. Because if a bear is coming, you need adrenaline to start pumping before you can even, think about it. Yeah. yeah you can what think kind about of bear it. is that? What? A, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Right. <laughs> yeah, we, we think of fear, like fear is a really cool emotion in that um, not only is it a signal that gives you information, m- almost more than any other emotion, it's it's an ally and it it gets you ready for action. Right. And we think of fear like a bodyguard, you know, like imagine you're president of the United States and um, you now have the secret service around you and you're not thinking about them, they're just there and they're looking out for you. And when they see a threat, they're not just going to tell you, like, hey, Mr. President, we think there's a threat. They just, they jump into action immediately. Before you even realize that you're being covered, you're being brought to a safer place. And that's what fear is doing. It's like, before you even know it, you're, like, running in the other direction. You're, or you're getting ready to fight back. It's just like your body is, like, ready to protect you. That, um, yeah. And huh. that's, that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, it can get out of control. Yes. Well, and that's, the, that's why there's a saying, you know, in the counseling world that what helps you thrive, or no, what <laughs> the things in, in life that help you um, survive can be the very things that, that hinder you from thriving in yeah. life. Yeah. And so all the defense mechanisms that you might have, um, like dissociating or defensive or being aggressive all those things um don't work well when you're trying to establish intimacy in a relationship so that's when fear can go off the rails i've never really thought about it but what you just kind of brought to my mind was that the secret service is essentially a government or a person outsourcing their limbic system yes yeah So you can focus on giving that speech or shaking those hands or, you know, whatever. You're like, you're in the moment doing the thing you want to be doing. Uh, you don't, and, but you want your body prepared um, to, to protect you. Wow. All right. Let's talk about, let's talk about, um, let's talk about anger for a second. So what, let's just, just help me understand what does it look like to have a good or a not so good relationship <laughs> with anger? Well, I think anger, I mean, that's a natural feeling for a two to go to. When we hit that limit, I think anger is right there to let us know we crossed the line. Mm. Um, and I think anger is, is most helpful when we look at it and evaluate it in terms of what was I expecting um, or yeah. what, what do I need. The anger is a better uh, teacher than it is as far as... Um, and taking over your body and like a master yes yeah it's a signal that an expectation has not been met is how we think about it that we have all these expectations in life and, and mostly really good uh we expect people to be loving and just to their neighbors um but then we also just have expectations about our own life i'm going to retire and i'm going to have uh some money and or i'm gonna you know i'm gonna enjoy my job or people at my <laughs> at my workplace are going to be nice to me um, I'm going to get to work on time, all these expectations. And when they're thwarted, we get angry. Um, and it's our body, it's our body saying, you need to fight for this thing that you want. And, um, and so anger in that way is, is, is first of all, a mirror 
to help us see like what is it that I really value and really want and expect in life. That and so it's valuable because of that. But also it's that energy to make the change that we we want to have made. And so I think a healthy relationship with anger is recognizing like this anger is here to give me energy to solve problems. Um, and uh, for me, anger is the hardest emotion to deal with. I still, it's hard for me to identify when I'm angry. Um, and for Tristan, she mentioned it's like a real natural um, emotion to go to. Yeah. Um, well, you know the saying that the opposite of love is not hate, but indifference. Mm. And I think for, you know, the heart triad, anger is really accessible because if you love something deeply, you'd be really angry if it's violated. Yeah. So Tristan, let's let's just talk for a minute about you know, you're a two, I'm a four, we're in that shame triad, twos, threes, and fours. Let let's talk about shame for a minute. The feeling of shame and tell me tell me what you think it is and, and, and like what does it mean to be in a healthy relationship with it? Uh well shame is that signal that lets us know that our identity is being threatened. So shame is the feeling when you start to feel disgusted with yourself and who you are, and which is different than guilt, because guilt is the feeling that lets us know that a behavior that we did was unhelpful. Um, where shame, when you start to think of yourself as a piece of crap, it's very difficult to make any productive changes because you start to view that your identity as worthless. And yeah, I think it just it's easy to spiral into hopelessness and depression um, so shame is really helpful for going back to what is my identity. There's a lot of things I think we um, make as our identity and creates our identity. And I think that shame is just lets us know, okay, this particular thing is threatening your identity. Mm. And of course, identity is such a major theme for twos, threes, and fours. Um, mm. uh, because... Um, uh, twos, threes, and fours don't believe they can be loved for who they are. So each pro- creates and projects an image that they mm-hmm. hope will uh, help them achieve or gain the, the love they, they really want. And, and a fear for twos, threes, and fours is that once you let go of the projection and let it drop, there will be nobody there. Mm-hmm. Th- that there mm-hmm. is no core sense of identity. Right. Yeah. So it's no wonder that then that shame, right, becomes such a, a a critical thing that that feeling that twos, threes, and fours have to go to work with, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so for as a self preservation too, one of the things I realized is I had a mentor in college, and I really looked up to this mentor. You know, thought he was the ideal leader, and so um, I ended up working at his agency. And I found out that you know, he was living this double life, and so his agency fell apart, and he wanted me to stay on with this new agency he was creating, but I didn't feel comfortable. And when I told him that, he became cold and completely different in the way that he related to me. And I think that really just crushed that, you know, that self-preservation, desire to be loved, especially by someone who I saw as an authority figure and someone I looked up to. And that was definitely a crisis of when I realized that that defense mechanism of 
a self-preservation too wasn't working for me anymore. And, um, yeah, I had to take a lot of time to rebuild and grieve and, um, figure out how to form a new identity. Mm. That's really yeah, powerful. We talk, yeah. We talk about shame being the check engine light of the soul. Hmm. When you're, when you're driving your car and that check engine light comes on, it's the scariest signal on your dashboard. Cause it could mean, it can mean like, yeah, like a circuit breaker needs to be fixed or like your engine is done. <laughs> you need a new engine. <laughs> I have no idea. It's just like, yeah, something's wrong. And shame is that way. It's like something's wrong. And it could be that maybe it's just my identity's a little too wrapped up in how my kids are doing in Little League. Or it could be like, oh, man, I my whole identity got wrapped up in this relationship. Mm. And it's going to take a long time to... reverse yeah right so you know as we as we sort of come to the end of the conversation i guess one one question i have for for you tristan is uh you're let's say you're speaking to a room of a thousand twos okay (laughs) and uh what how would you tell them to live how to live in relation in a healthy relationship with their feelings like like what 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 mm-hmm. counsel would you give them uh, in regards to living with feelings? Well, I think what's been very life-changing for me is figuring out what I need and that my feelings give me information to figure out what I need. Mm-hmm. Like when I go to anger, realizing, okay, I've reached a complete limit and I usually need to withdraw and be by myself um but i think the problem with twos is that we always feel this uh we have this conflict within ourselves of what we feel like we should do versus what we think we need and oftentimes we feel like those are in conflict like Mm -hmm. i can't take care of what i need and also take care of what you need and realizing that there can be both um and that it's actually better for the relationship to not have to be either or, but that, you know, part of creating a intimate relationship is being honest and being honest about those limitations. Mm. So I think just realizing as twos, it's very difficult for us to focus on what we need. And it's very easy to focus on and read and absorb what everyone else needs. Mm. It just comes fully. Um, so yeah that's been definitely something that's constantly on my mind like what do i need and i always usually know what what's expected of me but um trying to let go even of the need to please or people to be happy with me um and i think it's also just confronting that pride that even if they don't like it and they're not happy with me just leaning into that this is this is the best thing for our relationship is actually for me to figure out what I need. Mm. That's so good. I, you know, so for folks who are listening, I, I think that it's really always helpful to remember that, that like uh, fours overdo feelings, mm-hmm. threes underdo feelings, mm-hmm. and twos are in conflict about their feelings. They, they're, yes. they're trying to figure out uh, how do I, you know, navigate what I feel with what you feel? And, and, you know, it can create a lot of tension, a lot of anger, confusion. 
uh, for yes. the two. And so it sounds like, yeah, boom, right on. I think you would tell the audience just what they need to know. Like, uh, you know, how do you live in the space of and how or how do you navigate a space of conflict around around your feelings? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all right, John, yes. John, same question, man. You're speaking to a room full of fives. Uh, they all got their laptops out. They're taking mm-hmm. notes. Uh, they, they look up the word petrichor already. Uh, and <laughs> I saw you doing it. Um, uh, so tell me, uh, I think I said paracor, by the way. It's petrichor. Thank you very much. Um, so tell me, what, what would you tell a room full of fives about what it means to live in a healthy relationship with feelings or emotions? Yeah. You, you were designed as a human person. <laughs> you are a body, and God designed you to have emotions. Um, that that is a key, just part of the human experience. You're not a brain on a stick, and that to speak a five's language, you know, we've already said it. Uh, emotions are a type of information. And, um, and using your emotions will make you wiser, not stupider. I mean, that's what five wants to, to, to ultimately to, to try to control the world through being knowledgeable and wise and to take away our body's ability to aid us in that through our emotions is just a really, (laughs) it's, it's a bad strategy, uh, as a five. So, um, uh, yeah, really embrace embrace that side of emotional uh life it's going to be hard if you're a five like me who has disregarded that part of your life your entire existence um you're starting you know from square one when i was with uh, a counselor um i remember her telling me this is a great time for you to to learn about emotions because you have young kids and they're learning about emotions too so uh so it felt like I had the emotional intelligence of a four-year-old while raising a four-year-old, and it was actually great. We just kind of like let's let's figure this out together, and it's kind of that humbling of you know this is a skill that as a five you've likely left um, alone, and um, but but let's let's go for it. Let's let's uh, bravely go into the emotional world and, and try to wave uh, wade through it. Um, and uh, and give yourself patience because it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be hard. Mm. You guys, this has been awesome, mm-hmm. um, and I just want to encourage everybody, man. You got to go out and get this book, "Why Emotions Matter." Uh, go check out www.whyemotionsmatter.com uh, to find out more about it. Um, Tristan, John, I feel like you just gave me thirty or so minutes of soul enlargement. Uh, and, and that's wonderful. Yeah, it's, uh, I always feel like uh, um, sometimes coming off or out of a conversation, like I, I'm, I'm better than I was. Uh, I'm a better human being than I was 30 minutes ago. And <laughs> that's a terrific gift. So thank you both. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Or thank you and your audience. I mean, everyone who listens to this podcast are the kind of people that we dream of being able to hang out with. You know, <laughs> this is a community you've developed. And um, yeah, we're really grateful to hang out. Awesome. Well, everybody, hats off to Tristan 
and John and their wonderful book, Why Emotions Matter. I just encourage you and commend it to you to go out and get your hands on it, regardless of your type, whether you're a two or a five or a one or a six or any of the other numbers, go get Why Emotions Matter. Check out more about it on whyemotionsmatter.com. Hey, everybody, I love you because... That's my MO, right? It's like, I'm all about the feelings, baby. Yes. Right? So remember, dear friends, the words of the great Oscar Wilde. Be yourself. Everybody else is already taken. <laughs>